Hello everyone and welcome to episode 12 of the Filthy Lip Out Golf Podcast with me, Kit Alexander, the legend that is John E. Morgan and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome this week's special guest, Mr. Andrew Coldhart. Andrew, how are you? Yeah, fine, thanks, fine. A little bit exhausted after uh, a tremendous week's golf over there in the States, but um, yeah, all, all good. Looking forward to another great week's golf over here in Northern Ireland, Kit. Absolutely. Before we get into what everyone's talking about at the moment, of course, Bryson DeChambeau, I hear you and, and John met up for a round of golf not too long ago. What was that like? <laughs> it, it was all right, mate. Pulled his pants down. Pulled his pants down. It was, it, it, it was, it was all right. What, what's, my, what's his story? <laughs> I've not heard either side yet. John, come on. Yeah, you've, not, oh, you've not heard either side. I, I See, haven't. There you I'm, go. Cool, sorry. You do not remember, I, mate. I ain't, I ain't a yibby yabby kind of guy, you know, so you're all right, mate. You're safe with me, dude. I, uh, I, I, I don't tell John this kit, right? Don't tell John. But he was actually all right, actually. Mm-hmm. He can, the boy, he can still hit it, like, you know what I mean? Nice little position at the top of the back swing and stuff. That gives it a little bit of a rip, nice ball flight. But just don't, don't tell him. Yeah, keep it on the download. But he's I mean, he's still, a bit of, he's still a bit of a plonker. I mean, apart from that, he's still a bit of a plonker. But you know, big no, we had a we had a we had a great day. We had a great day, mate. We had a great day. Um, yes, um, James and I unfortunately um, up trumps uh, against the two ex pros who clearly are spending far too much time on the golf course. Kit, um, they look like they've never been away. Uh, particularly Doherty, who's who's giving it the red arrows. Uh, but uh, I was slightly, in fact, in fact, it was so disconcerting. I've actually made a couple of phone calls about getting some clubs that <laughs> can find me. Even if you have me, I'll take it. Great stuff. Um, well, Bryson Chambo, you were obviously a, an excellent part of the coverage on Sky Sports uh, throughout the whole week, Andrew. Really enjoyed listening to your insights, but. We've all had a bit of time to digest it now. A few people have been eating humble pie on, on Twitter and social media in the last couple of days. What do you make of how Bryson went about winning that US Open? Yeah, good, yeah, good question. Um, it's golf, but not as we knew about playing it or never as we ever thought it would be played. You do have to congratulate on somebody that has peeled it down to its bare bones and, and, and figured out a, a thing based on, if you've ever seen that movie, The Moneyball, uh, with Brad Pitt and the baseball, which is a phenomenal uh, movie. You know, he's broken it down into, into these forms and decided that it was best to just let it fly as hard and as far as possible. Hitting the fairways was not required because as far as he could get it down there, he could get it on the green. If he could get it on the green, they reckoned he could make some birdie chances and, and you know, he was prepared to take those risks. Other players, of course, who who finish anything up from a six iron, like five iron, four iron, three iron in the rough, they, there's no way they can take the shot on. They can't take the green on, they've got to, they've got to chop it out. So he figured that he could use his newfound length to an advantage. He didn't care how the USG had set it up. He took us on and he won end by six. I take my hat off to him. I, I personally don't like it. That's my own personal opinion, as, as of which currently and still in this day and age, I I, I thought you were still entitled to. Uh, and um, <laughs> but nonetheless, nonetheless, he's got a US trophy 
on his mantelpiece. His name is engraved in the history of the game. Nobody can take that away from him. But I, I, w- I would like to think of the game as a, as a, a much more multifaceted game where, where loads of different skills are tested, loads of different, different aspects. And yes, his mentality was tested because it's the last round of the US Open. There's players breathing down his neck. There's a tremendous amount of pressure on him, goals that are trying to achieve. I can't imagine what that pressure would have been like. But to stand up there and hit it as far as you can without worrying about the consequences isn't a game of golf that I'm familiar with. Do you think so, it's possible to to separate almost the two issues and the two arguments here. One is you look at what Bryson's achieved and you have to applaud the, the change he's gone through yeah. and the he's had with it. But also to separate it and go, well, you know what? That's not good for the future of the game. Where do we go from here? It's, it's showing where we've gone wrong or where the governing bodies have gone wrong to this point and allowing equipment and the ball to, to run away with the game, if you like. You can't fault a guy, an individual, for exploiting that. It's his profession, after all. But at the same time, it's not probably the future. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Golf going. Yeah, I, I, listen, I agree with both those um, sentiments that you've just made there. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, even as you're saying that, to rationalise an argument as to how Bryson's take on it can be good for the game. I mean... Somebody put it to me the other day there that obviously to see any human being hitting the golf ball a long way arguably brings people to the game. You know, a lot yeah. of people will go, oh, wow, that was it. And it's tremendous. It is fantastic. I mean, unfortunately, watch the other day there. No way hit it. I, I, oh, uh, you know, I mean, some of them I went, <laughs> you know, laughed at when he went left. But, um, you know, so to see somebody, to see somebody hit it that far, it brings people into the game. To see a professional maybe hitting a four iron off the tee and then a seven iron into the green, that's not as attractive. I, I get that. That's not as attractive and, and probably wouldn't enhance membership numbers. To me, there was, there's much more strategy involved. It's more like chess. You've got to think three shots ahead rather than just one shot ahead. You, you can't. What are we going to do to these golf courses? How do you compare Mason DeChambeau's skills as a golfer to Arnold Palmer's and Jack Nicklaus? Because Arnold Palmer was hitting four iron into the holes that Bryson DeChambeau's hitting wedge into. Well, to me, that's more skillful. Arnold Palmer's a more skillful golfer than Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau has figured out a way of golf. But is it? And Arnold Palmer would have said no. And never will be. No, exactly. I, I, I mean, coming, coming from a really good golf course like Wingfoot, which I've played. Have you ever played there, Andrew? No, I not played there, but I, I did enjoy watching it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that golf course, in total, really and honestly, I've got to say, it, he made it look obsolete. I mean, he was so far down there, took all the character out of the golf course and what we know it and what kind of shots you've got to play. But, I mean, what, what do you think when he comes to Scotland and he plays the Open Championship at, uh, say, St Andrews and he unleashes a 48-inch driver that carries 360 in the air, which he's saying he's going to try... I mean, where does that leave St. Andrews? Aiming it down the left and opening his shoulders up and just taking every bit of tr- ounce of trouble that St. Andrews has to offer. I mean, is that golf, like you said? Well, the, I mean, the worrying thing is, I've seen St. Andrews go through several transitions over the years, unfortunately, to, to accommodate the modern game. It's no longer the golf course that it was in 1985 mm. or even in 1995. It's yeah. a completely different animal altogether. And again, comparatively, comparing the players, 
is um, is almost impossible to do so. Funnily enough, interesting enough, Bryson DeChambeau came over to Walton Heath as part of the Palmer Cup side. They played Walton Heath. You played Walton Heath, Muggsy? Yeah, I played it with you, you, played, buddy. you played Walton Heath. Yeah, I love all, 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 all the Heather, right? All the Heather. Of course he did, Muggsy. So head spin. And uh, he, he couldn't play with it because he couldn't figure out what he, what he had to do to get it round because the ball would bounce through into the heather. And of course, the Americans have never seen Heather before, and they still think they can take the shot on. And of course, they were going; they couldn't, they couldn't play it. So they were, they were, they were taken apart by the European team because the European team could strategize, could plot the importance of get the ball in play. But they don't have lots of golf courses with Heather over there. They don't play too many of them in there. And certainly, the rough that we are seeing and the rough as we know it does not provide a deterrent to to taking a golf course apart. I know I was going to ask you, uh, Andrew. I mean, I know you like, is that a protein shake, by the way, you're sipping on right now? A bit of a Bryson DeChambeau protein shake? Uh, I know yes, you're a bit yes, partial to it. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a protein, protein water, mate. Yes, I've not, I've not taken any of those protein shakes for, uh, for, for several years now, but um, I certainly could never handle about 15 a day like what he's doing. Well, yeah, you won't want to be downwind from him. But I mean, honestly, I mean, what was it like for you when you were when you were like, <laughs> but when you were when you were coming through and you thought, right now it's time for me to bulk up, and you got massively into your fitness, and you were you were like honestly, a, you know, like a pencil. Yeah. There wasn't much yeah. to you, and all of a sudden now you got. I mean, you showed your guns up the other day when you you on on uh, Wentworth when we played. I mean, your, your build now is absolutely massive, isn't it? I mean, you know, Doherty takes the mickey out of you all the time about your gun. But, I mean, how hard is it now for him, Bryson DeChambeau, to, and he says he's going to push himself to like 245 pounds, which is mental. I mean, can his body withstand yeah. all that? Can it withstand it? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. That That's a very good question. He says he's surrounded by medical experts and, and you know, they're keeping a close eye on his body. They'll have to watch out for his liver. They'll have to watch out for his kidneys. Uh, I'm sure they're doing that. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that, that, we, we, he, he cannot put his body through another massive transformation because it would just be ridiculous. He could get bigger, uh, but it would certainly he'd get bigger over a, over a longer period of time. We've, we've already seen the massive, the, com the complete physical change uh, you know that's taken shape over this last twelve months. I think now. I think now. I'd like to think that he would just try and maintain that, refine it a little bit, add a little bit more to it. But it, I don't. I'm, I'd be a bit concerned if he carries on. You know, throwing those shakes when he's right. To be fair, anybody with uh, with uh, muscles, they would all look pretty big compared to Dorothy's. <laughs> I don't think mine would. I've got none either. I'm on Doherty's side here. Uh, I mean, Bryson has said he wants to put on another, put on another ten or fifteen pounds even before the Masters, which is what six or seven weeks away now. So that's a lot of weight gain in a short period yeah. of time, even more so. And what's he going to do at Augusta now? Well, let alone even bigger by then. To me, your heart, although your heart is a muscle, you know, your heart is used to pumping the blood and oxygen around that size of a body. When all of a sudden you double the mass, to me, you're obviously going to put a tremendous amount of strain on your heart. So again, again, long term, this is something really he's going to have to look on, I would imagine. 
uh, what, 15 pounds, whatever, plus more muscle mass, whatever it is, to Augusta. Um, I, it's interesting. I don't know. You, you, would, you would also notice, though, a couple of times last week, Matthew Wolf, who is nothing like Deshaun, was still hitting it past him. So, you know, Cameron, Cameron Champ, who's, you know, you know, not, not massive by any stretch of the imagination. There's a tremendous amount of um, club head speed. He's, he's down there. Uh, I'd be more. I'm. I'm actually more interested to see whether Buster reacts to what has happened there at Winged Foot, as opposed as opposed to what what kind of state the the, the Bryson DeChambeau who thinks he can live to 135 years old is going to. Turn out. <laughs> well, the weirdest thing in it with regarding Augusta, he never used to have rough. Now they brought in a bit of rough. Now do they make that rough even more roughy? You know what I mean? I mean, what do they do? You know, but then. You know, this guy's in it bloody 20, 30 yards past every bugger. You know what I mean? But yeah. I can remember it yeah. Augusta not that long ago when Bubba Watson took that crazy line on 13 and it left himself, I think it was a wedge or a nine iron in. He went over the middle yeah. of the tree yeah. to the left. Now, obviously, they've brought the tee back now, but the very next year, there were two new, very tall trees that looked like had been there forever that they put in there specifically to stop Bubba and anyone else taking that line. Oh, now, right, right. You may see something like that happen, but it's very hard even for Augusta and all of their knowledge and all the people they've got there for them to predict exactly where DeChambeau is going to take this course apart, where his lines are going to be. You can't Tiger or Bubba proof something really until after they've taken it apart. That's kind of the way that... So this year, in November, you might see... DeChambeau and a few other people learning from what DeChambeau's done in the US Open. Like you say, Wolf outdrove him his fair share. The first couple of holes, Wolf knocked it past him. You've named some other massively long players in the game there. They may all now go, well, even at Augusta, let's take it on. Let's get it down there as far as possible. And then you might see trees and things in place that spe stop those specific lines come next April because we've got two Masters in quite quick succession. It's going to be fascinating to see what Augusta do, not only this time around, but in a few months when we've got two successive majors there. What, what, what I've never managed to figure out is what, why, why do people, and I know you've not specifically said this, kid, but what, why do the people that set up golf courses combat length, mm -hmm. attempt to combat length by adding length to it? Yeah. When are they going to figure out that not how you combat in order you, setting up a golf course playing into the hands of 20% because they're long hitters adding more length to it is still playing into the hands of those 20% why not reduce the length of the golf course and allow it to be played by the whole 144 who are damn good golfers that have got there in any case mm -hmm. an equal opportunity from 100 and see yards as somebody does have 120 come from the wrong position and wrong angle. I mean, the, you combat length by taking length away, not by adding it. No, you're absolutely spot on. Another issue that we had with Bryson, and I don't want this to seem like a Bryson bashing, because there's one thing I want to go on to after this, actually. But first of all is the slow play. John, you're one of the quickest golfers I've ever played with. You see it, feel it, hit it, and normally get it pretty close. You're an instinctive guy. Of course, DeChambeau's at the other end of the spectrum, but there's got to be a line drawn somewhere. We're advised that you should hit a shot within 40 seconds. I think we know that DeChambeau did not hit one shot last week within 40 seconds, and he never does. 
is that killing the spectator element of the game? Because I saw a lot of people saying, I didn't really enjoy Sunday. It was just too slow, the pace of it. John, does he need to speed up? Do we need to penalise him or anyone else for playing that slowly? Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I've got to figure out where I'm hitting it and uh, degrees. Uh, <laughs> you need to get the compass out uh, as well, me, John. Give me a minute. Yeah. Give me a minute. One saying, one saying. Hold on. I need another 20 seconds. Sorry, ref. Sorry, ref. But no, I honestly, uh, it was painful to watch. Andrew was in a different position than me. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a man on the mic trying to say his bit. And timing is not an easy thing when it comes to, you know, comms where he is in the box there at Sky. And it's, I'd imagine it's like watching paint dry. I mean, for me, watching it as a punter and a, a fan, um, yeah, too painful for me, mate. I, you know, I like, I like to see animation. I mean, his animation is, he talks everything out, doesn't he? I mean, he's walking down a ferry and he's constantly talking out loud. I mean, he's TV gold. I mean, he's telling everybody what he feels and how he's going to see the next shot and stuff like that. And I mean, that bloody... TV gold, I love it. But it's a bit shit when you're just, you know, you're, you know, watching the box and you're just thinking, come on, mate, hurry up. It ain't that hard. I mean, you've got a six-shot lead, but he goes through his motions, he sticks to his guns, and he's a great putter. What a putter. I mean, he really is. I mean, yeah, okay, he's doing all the equations and analogies and what the green and how it's going to break and how fast and what roll and what percentage it's going back and how far it's going to go through and stuff. And you think, oh, my goodness. But... The ball goes in the hole and he wins by six and he's a US Open champ. And I wish I was a US Open champ. So I take my hat off to him, but I just wish he could speed up a bit. It'd just make life a little bit cooler, wouldn't it? Is he being unfairly treated because he's Bryson DeChambeau and because of all of the other stuff in terms of the length? I saw an interesting question posed on Twitter yesterday. If Rory had won that US Open, bombing it down there with his length, doing what he did, would he not have been applauded because it's Rory, because he's the best driver on the planet? Is Bryson getting a little bit of a rough deal in as much as not getting the credit he deserves for that specific performance because of all the other noise around him? Go, Colt. Go on, man. Yeah. Yeah, um, possibly. Uh, but like you've said, I think he's brought a lot of that on himself. Well, yeah. Um, I, I would, I would that, like yeah. to think there's... I, I would like to think there's a bit more of us who, who look at how that game has played or how that, that strategy has performed. And, and even if it was Rory, how on earth has he done that? He shouldn't be able to do that. shouldn't be able to hit 23 fairways and win. If you hit 23 fairways, you should be, you know, well, that percentage, you should be, you should be missing the cut and going home. Not, uh, you know, not, not, not winning after 72 holes. One of, the, one of the things, just going back to the, the question you, you, you put to John there, mm. I, I mean, I, I respect what he achieved. God wants to inspire a next generation. And we're talking about the next generation coming through, swallowing milkshakes like it's going out of fashion and, and spending hours in the gym. I hope, I hope to goodness they don't, they don't start getting protractors out, calculators, compasses, um, air density meter readers. Otherwise, we're into 10-hour rounds. And, and, and this is something that has to stop now. So if he's going to be a role model, maybe he needs to think about how he, how he goes about his, his routine before he hits the ball because there's not enough time in the day for, for the next generation to come through with, uh, with, with Bryson uh, DeChambeau's ideas on how to hit a golf ball. 
Yeah, and all we're doing is trying to speed up the game and he's making it longer, which is, uh, you know, it's not a good thing, is it? Well, it's a great point you make there, Andrew, that something has to change now because we've seen with equipment, when you just let it ebb and get away from you, you get to a point where there's no coming back. And we're at that with the equipment now, really. With the slow play, the USG... USGA and the RNA and the tours are probably in a similar position to where we were with equipment five or 10 years ago, where you have to do something to stop it now. Otherwise, you know, six, seven hour rounds probably aren't going to be beyond the realms of comprehension within a few years. If something isn't done to curb it now. And but you can't, you can't, the thing is, okay. And Andrew, I'm sure you can't stop people doing fitness training and bombing it and hitting it as hard as they want. It doesn't matter if they ring the ball in or anything like that. He's still going to hit some bells of shit out of it. And that is the end of the story. He ain't, he ain't holding back for nobody. You know, both feet are going to be off the deck at impacts and he's going to launch at it. He's going to try and deal with it from there. But I mean, it's just, it's a sad place to see a golf course brought to its knees like Wingfoot and many other golf courses that are absolutely sublime, gorgeous, strategically, well-designed and just, you know, a course for the ages. And unfortunately, he just brought it to his knees and it's just sad. It's just sad to see. I just, I think it's sad anyway. Looking at the game now and where it is and where it's obviously going over the next few years, Andrew, how far does a player realistically need to be hitting it off the tee to be able to compete these days? Yeah, a lot further than me, yeah. Kit. I mean, are we looking at, are we in an age now where unless you can hit the ball consistently 320, 330 off the tee, you simply cannot compete at the elite level. Well, you get you would get somebody maybe like Luke Donald and Furyk arguing that, but let's take, you know, let's look at the percentages. You know, I mean, they're, you know, you know, they're, they're what, one percent, one percent of the, of the golfing population relative to what about, you know, maybe just the, rest, the other 99. Um, you have to be, so ridiculously good with a, with a tremendous element of luck to be, to have a, a career and be a short hitter on tour. You simply, you, you, your life expectancy out there is only going to be a couple of years uh, unless you're absolutely special. You basically now have to be more of a sort of one-dimensional golfer, uh, smashing grab approach on, and when it's off, you know, nobody really sort of notices. Mm -hmm. I mean, another guy who, who did hit it, Miles, we've said already, talk about Matt Wolf for a bit. He was incredibly impressive and didn't I feel do a lot wrong in the final round, actually. When you look at his score in comparison to a lot of the other scores coming in, he did okay starting with the lead. He didn't seem to be that overawed. He played some decent golf. What? And I think the first player in 80-odd years to finish in the top four in his first two major appearances. How impressed were you by what you saw from him and, and that unique approach he takes with his technique as well, Andrew? You know, he's only 21 years old. And in old scoring terms, I thought if he could go around and shoot 72, that would have been fantastic. Uh, he shot 75. And, you know, right, let's... let's to deal with the length of time he took his playing parts to, to sum up some of his shots. You know, we'd have to ask Matthew whether he did buy it and, and maybe whether he'd tell you the truth or not, I don't know, because, you know, they don't, a lot of these players, they, you know, they don't want to be honest if it, if it potentially demeans a, a fellow competitor or anything like that, but you'd have to ask him, but how often has he played with Deshambo and, 
and that, that in itself would take a bit of getting used to. I thought Matthew Wolf did a great job. He didn't get any breaks uh, in the last round, but then again, he had got plenty of breaks up to that point. He's only 21 years old, for goodness sake. Uh, this is a star of the future. I love what he does. I love how he goes about it. If My only one criticism would have been, and, and, this, and, and this was purely because he must have been nervous, was like he was sort of too pally with Bryson while they were out there. You know, there was too many smells trying to have a chat and stuff like that. Now, maybe that's the kind of thing that Moggsy would do. I, but I, I, would, I, would blank, I would blank that guy. I, don't, I don't, we don't care who I'm out there playing with. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care how they're hitting the shots. I'm there to win that golf event. And as, as, far as, as far as I'm concerned, that other person means nothing to me. And it was just a little bit sort of pally, pally, a couple of smiles early on when really, let's face it, if we're competitors out there, we're trying to hit that person over the back of the head with the golf clubs and, 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 and steal the spoils. So I wanted to see a little bit more of a ruthless, a ruthless streak in there. Yeah, I agree. John, you've got some good dance moves. Everyone's called the wolf move now. It's the Elvis leg move before. Are we going to see anything like that from you, John? Oh, I'll try and attempt it in a few swings or two, but I feel like I'm going to hurt myself if yeah, I try and do it. I've been doing that. Oh, yeah, mate. But it's, it's a unique, it's a unique, it's like an exaggerated um, Furyk swing, really, on the way back. And then it, but he just drops it. That, that, you know, that right elbow just comes straight in there and it, the release is just unbelievable. I mean, I can't believe how, how high on his tiptoes he is on his left-hand side when he's up there. I mean, I just, it's like Fred Astaire has just jumped into his body and just taken over it's like it's unbelievable it really is and but my goodness he just rips it it sounds so good when he hits it as well but yeah mate I, I like the way he plays I think it's really refreshing I like I like seeing wacky crazy good funky swings that people can play I mean it takes you back to the day when you watched watched Trevino Ray Floyd you know I mean it didn't matter you know Hansi you talk about you know Seve you, you, I mean Fuzzy Zeller I mean, people like that, you know, they just had ridiculous hands, you know, and it was just brilliant to watch. So I love it. I love it, mate. But Coltar, I was going to ask you, I mean, you've just taken a massive trip out to Ireland. Have you had your test already, mate? Yes. Did you, did you, or did you? No. What did you do? No, all no? fine, mate. No problem. No problem. Box all did. Did, did he? <laughs> oh, what's it? Good old Boxy. Tell us what you're expecting in Ireland, my friend, this week. Golf course is really good. Um, green, it's, it's obviously it's softer than what I've, I've seen um, recently. Um, it's pretty lush. The rough is quite thick. The greens are quite slopey. Nothing like last week, of course. Uh, I'd expect <laughs> to see quite a lot of birdies uh, out there. Uh, but I've not actually sort of had time to study the field and look at the field and see who's there. I'm just about to do my homework now. Andrew, while we've got you, I wanted to talk about your playing career as well. Obviously, a two-time European Tour winner, a Ryder Cup player. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, what were the highlights for you of your playing career? Well, playing with Moggsy was definitely one of, one of my highlights. Bullshit. Um, Bullshit. Yeah. Oh, no, that, was, that was at tour school, just as I was about to back up. Yeah. Um, is that what sent you over the edge playing with Moss? That, that, that was definitely what pushed me. Over. It was again. It was another. God, here's another one of these young kids that hits about fifty yards past me. I'd say I'm giving up, mate. Um, but that was actually we both packed in playing after Q school. Well, that particular Q school. That was it. That was our final one, wasn't it? Both of us played together and we quit after that. I think. 
I think we, we we both were crying in one another's in one another's arms. <laughs> yeah. We were, mate. We were. I can't take it anymore, John. <laughs> Andrew, help me. Help me, Andrew. <laughs> right, who was the third in your group that week? I sorry. Know, what, what, who was the third player Playing in your group? Oh. Well, we, we, well, we well. definitely fucked him up. I know that. What kind Poor of therapy buddy. has been needed to recover from that? <laughs> yeah, for, for medical purposes, we can't divulge that kind of information, but uh, he's not been seen for <laughs> 10 years. Uh, oh. The 99 Ryder Cup is one that's got... a. Uh, stand out for you as well the battle of brookline there's so much legend around yeah. it what what was it like to be there on the ground and playing yeah it was amazing kit because it was you know true you kid you aspired to to be a professional on the, on the, the european tour then you made that then of course you wanted to take the next stage which was you know winning a tournament then you wanted to be one of the, the 12 players that represented the continent of Europe in a, in a Ryder Cup. You know, Seve, ever since, what was it, 79, I think, Seve and the inclusions of the, Euro, and the Europeans, um, you know, really ignited uh, an incredible passion um, in the European team to take on what has always been the dominant United States. And, and to, to, yeah, to be a part of that was, it, it was a dream come true. It was, it was one of the, one of the steps on the ladder that, that I felt uh, at that at that time came at a natural a natural time. I was really excited to play it. it, it you know, it meant a lot uh, pegging her up, being with these eleven other guys and the caddies and the, uh, the caddies and coaches and the and these captains and and don't at, at that stage it was nowhere near as big as it is now. Um, but it was still pretty big, and, and personally, it meant it meant an awful lot, obviously, to, to put the sweater on and to, to represent Europe. Uh, and yeah, I yeah, still pinch myself that I managed to get into that squad. It looked like a hell of an atmosphere out there. A fair amount of vitriol, I think, from the home American fans directed at a lot of the Europeans. And make as a rookie appearance, did it feel like? Was that the first time, really, you felt like, oh, God, we are away from home here? Obviously, most tournaments, the, the fans are very kind to everyone, whereas there, you're yeah. like public enemy number one. See, I actually loved it. I, I, uh, I wanted to just shove it up their noses even more. Um, I, don't mind, I don't mind being the underdog. I don't mind playing away from home. There was no pressure on us. Well, relatively speaking, you know, the expectation level were low. Uh, if you tell me I can't do something, I want to prove to you that I can do it. So the more that they were having a having a pop, the, the, uh, that, 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 oh, gee whiz, I just I just want to shove it in your face. I could imagine you on the first tee, Andrew, yeah, when they're so, all giving it beans, and you're just like yeah. stone cold, like yeah, whack, have that game on. What was that final? Yeah, so I, the comms last. I don't you were listening, but I mean, obviously. Well, obviously, I take the I take the tea with time. And where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Don't worry, mate. Don't worry about it. Someone's obviously calling you, dude. <laughs> Things flipping coming in. Christ Almighty! How did I get back on? His Doherty <laughs> wants to tell you he's got bigger muscles oh, than you. That's oh, there, it oh here, here it is. Here, here it is. Here it is. Sorry. Right. It's an overfitting technology. Sorry, Steve. And of course, Tiger knew I was one of the rookies. He knew I hadn't sort of played the golf course. So he came up to me. He said, you don't know this hole. It's a dog leg right to left bar four. 
What was he like on the way round? Was anyway, there anyway, a lot of chance or was he anyway, just... Yeah, he, he had... He, well, he, he, he played it and he took five. I took five as well. Look, I, I, I said, I, I'm, I'm not playing... I'm not playing Woods. I'm playing an American. I, I, didn't, I didn't care who I... I didn't see him as Tiger Woods. I saw him as an American... Uh, no, there was no chatting away around because I wasn't interested in anything about him at that stage. I'd already played. I already played with them in the last round of the Open that year. I played with them, uh, him and David Duval, in the in the last round of the war, in the um, third round of the World Cup in Japan. Uh, I wasn't. We, we weren't there to make idle chit chat. We were there to try and take points off of one another. And he certainly didn't want to talk to me, and I certainly didn't want to talk to him. Good man. Good man. Do you have any? regrets about how your career kind of played out in the latter stages at all um obviously you've made a great transition into the broadcasting now but do you wish you could have stayed on tour a little bit longer yeah. or, and have you got any thoughts for maybe having a go at the seniors as well yeah I, yeah i, I <laughs> no yeah i, I wish I, I wish i i enjoyed it off the forward, please join here. No, Kit, I I wish um I wish I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it at the end. I didn't enjoy being thirtieth, fortieth, missing the cut. I didn't enjoy shooting seventy fives on a Thursday, uh, having you know having spent time, money, and effort trying to you know trying trying to oh, Jesus trying to get better. <laughs> um, because still here. I, um, Put you know put a lot of time and effort into into trying to improve, and I was getting worse mm -hmm. at a steady rate. And you know, I, I try, and the challenge I try and make is imagine saying to somebody in an office job, you know, thanks very much for all the hard year. Um, you know, we're going to reduce your salary by thirty percent. And uh, by the way, here's so and so. He's been in the been in the business in the business five minutes. They're getting a promotion up above you, and then the yeah. same thing happening for about the next seven or eight years. There's, there's there's no too many people that I can actually accept would either want to stay in the job, hang around in the job, or um, or, uh, or or not look for a different career. So you know, my my regret is that I just didn't enjoy it mm -hmm. at the at the end. Um, my passion and love of the game unfortunately had diminished, and and part of that was down to the amount of pressure I put myself under. Did it take you a bit of time to refine the love for playing the game once you sort of stepped away? Or was it as soon as there wasn't money on the line and it was just a bit of fun with your mates, that love immediately came back? I don't know who you've been talking to, Kit, because that, love, that, that, that love's still in there, mate. Yeah, no. No, of course. I'm, but you mentioned the grind. It was tough to enjoy when other, you were missing cuts and things like that. The... Yeah. Not, not love the enjoyment of actually being on the course and playing, perhaps. Yeah, I, I, I look. I play about five or six times a year, and um, you know, if I, I, the reason I play about that is because any any more than that, and I'm still trying to hit hit perfect shots. I'm still trying to um, to 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 play a really good round of golf and and put myself under pressure. I. No, no, I don't. There's not. It's not my. It's not my idea of an afternoon off. <laughs> Do 
John, do you think, is that something you've mastered since you've stopped playing as a professional for money in tournaments that you can enjoy the game just for what it is, if you like? I, I love people. I love, I love golf. Um, I like, I like being able to socialize. Like Andrew said earlier, I'd be the one talking all the time and he'd be the one absolutely blanking me and, you know, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm that guy that just wants to talk, have a laugh, do some funny things, hit some crazy shots. And I, I must admit, I'm over the moon that I don't play anymore professionally, like tournament golf. Um, Pressure-wise, didn't agree with me uh, in the sense of made me just, uh, just didn't enjoy the game. I just didn't like where it put me after the round or during the round. Uh, you know, I... I don't like to confess to it, but I remember my very last tournament, I think it was in Colombia, we were playing a Challenge Tour event, they went over there and I, I started throwing golf clubs. Never threw golf clubs, never threw a golf club. And I thought, yeah. what am I doing, man, yeah. you know? And I remember coming off the back of the 18th and I give all my clubs, all my balls, all my, my golf shoes to the driver. Um, I get, there were all these kids there and I just let them have the whole lot and I just knew I was done. I was done. Um, it wasn't a healthy feeling when I was out there. I didn't like where it put me. I probably would be better now coming back and playing because I, you know, I've had a big chill pill and I'm able to just, you know, I've been able to have a reevaluate everything. But um, yeah, I, I'd imagine I wouldn't take it to heart if I made a double bogey, put it that way. I'd be able to let it go and brush it under the table pretty quick. But um, yeah, I didn't like the place I was in and what it made me feel like and the people I was affecting around me as well because I was a, I was just a bit of a dickhead you know what I mean I just uh, just a silly sausage that just um, just could do without it yeah, yeah no. I, I, I can 100% empathise with that Mogsy that's exactly the same thing uh, I didn't like who I was turning into and it was the pressure that was getting to me and yeah, I found, I found it really difficult just exactly the same things there that John said yeah well, it's such an interesting insight from two professional sportsmen of the mental places that the game can take you to. I mean, Andrew, you've made the transition into being a broadcaster now fantastically. You're always very well informed. I really enjoy it. And he's bloody brilliant as well. He's bloody brilliant. I genuinely think he's one of the best guys and the, the double act that you and Nick Doherty have got going in the commentary booth and in the studio, I think he's doing absolute wonders for Sky Sports Golf. How much are you enjoying that change of emphasis and still being around the game and talking about it as you are now. Yeah, thanks, Kurt. Yeah, no, I, I am enjoying that immensely. Uh, that is great fun. Uh, I am a small part of a magnificent team that, that we, we have. Mogsy is as well. We all have the utmost respect for one another, admiration for one another. And, um, you know, we've all, we've all, understood the highs and the lows associated with the game. We've got a, a great collective understanding of what goes on out there uh, and a wonderful empathy with, with, with everybody that's involved in it. Um, uh, I, yeah, I enjoy it. I think we have a great piece that you don't see and hear. There's a tremendous amount of spinning plates going on. You know a bit about that. Um, yeah. a, a phenomenal team that are always trying to uh, improvise and, and, and use their initiative to come up with new and interesting ways about getting well, fundamentally from a week to week is, is, is this, uh, the same message put in a different way across 
they're very, very, they're they're very, very um, uh, clever at, at at creating new and exciting uh, things to 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 watch and, and get get interested in. So, yeah, we're very, very lucky. Thoroughly enjoy it because I, I, the game is all I've known uh, since I, since I was a kid. So it's it's still a great thrill to be part of it. I'm just glad I'm not standing over on four foot pot on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, man. I've I, I got to leave you with one more question, Andrew, before you go and meet Boxy at the bar. Um, but I just want to ask you, right, bud? Uh, come on, man. Tell us a good tour tale or uh, oh. some of that's happened on the road in your new job now, new line of work. Tell us a, tell us a funny story, man. You know, some of that unfolded. Uh, some of it unfolded. Uh, well, I caught slightly off guard. Bloody hell, these text messages. So I got slightly <laughs> off guard. So, so popular, Andrew. Uh, so it's the only thing I can, the only thing I can tell. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's everybody's COVID test results coming in and everybody, they're, they're all talking about how they're safe and free and wanting to go down to the bar. Anyway, um, so two, two years ago, the Ryder Cup 2018 is in Paris, France. Two years ago, Tiger Woods has come back and... Um, He's, uh, he's won the Tour Championship. In the process of winning the Tour Championship, um, Rich Beam had... He was getting, getting all, all patriotic, and he got this belt manufacturer to, give, to make him an American USA team buckle. I said, look, for impartiality, you know, you, you've got to get you know, me a European one. So he went away and he got one, and he was telling Tiger about it, and he said, and Tiger said, well, look, Beamer said, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to get the result of your victory over over uh, Coulthard emblazoned on this belt." And Tiger says, "Tell you what, let me present it to him as well." So fast <laughs> forward to the Ryder Cup, Tiger's there. Beamer sorted out with Sky, and uh, and Tiger presents me with this belt with a European buckle that has, you know, Woods beats Coulthard three and two in the Ryder Cup. But I then showed him a picture that I've got on my phone that happened the day that all those Americans ran across the green when Justin Leonard had hauled his putt beating Jose Maria Lafabal on the 17th. And there's a picture of me ushering Tiger Woods off the golf course with the insole of my foot on his rear end. So I said, look, Tiger, look at this picture. The record books show that you beat me three and two, but I know I kicked your ass in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, a beauty. Superb, superb. Yeah. What, what a fantastic story to end on. I mean, a, a Tiger Woods story with Rich Breen. That's brilliant. You, you can't get any better than that. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, John, as always, great stuff. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. As ever, we really encourage you to leave your reviews for Filthy Lip Out. Wherever you listen to this podcast, please leave the star ratings, the reviews. It helps people find us. Share us with your friends as well. You can reach out to us at Filthy Lip Out on Twitter. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.